Hi and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you are currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at either our 10am or 4pm service. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this great message from Sunday service. And uh, you ready for the word? Awesome. Well, over the past three weeks, we've been working through our series, Church on Mission. Georgie. Sorry, men. She's already spoken for. The drummer. If you're a single guy and you just got a flutter in your heart, it was the devil. It was not the Lord. I love it. Come on. I, I'm a, what, what kind of creepy photos are you going to take of me? <clears throat> so over the past three weeks, we've been working through our series, Church on Mission. Because it's important to know that the church is not just some social club. We have got to be a church that is on purpose and on mission in what we're doing. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm not satisfied in just nice little meetings with some good worship. And, you know, we came and we were all encouraged. There has to be something more to it that, that we actually get something alive in our spirit where we go forth and we are the church in the world. In fact, let me go one step further. The church is not a Sunday meeting. This is just a Sunday meeting. Let me go one step further again. Are you ready? Man, we've just taken a lot of steps. And um, you know how in sport... We have like, um, uh, in sport, there's, there's training throughout the week, and then there's game day on Sunday. For such a long time, Sunday used to be game day for the church. And, 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 and so we would do different things. We would have worship practice and, and youth practice, and we would have connect groups, and we would have all these practices for game day on Sunday. And, and I actually think that there's a time coming now where the church is flipping that Sunday is practice for game day, Monday to Saturday. That, that when we come on Sunday, we're getting taught the word, we're being encouraged, we're being empowered, we're being mobilized in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So come tomorrow when I go to my workplace, which is game day, I can represent Jesus in my sphere. And that is how we need to start to see things. And, 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 and I liken, you know, we used to have a rule when I played sport that if you don't go to practice, you don't play on Sunday. And I think that that principle is, the, the principle is if you show up for game day, you won't be ready if you haven't gone to practice. And, and if you, you want to have a, a chance of impacting somebody this week, it's important to come to practice on Sunday so that we can prepare ourselves and get ourselves ready so that we can best represent Christ in our world. And so we've been working through these five things that we said are the mission and the mandate of Church Unlimited. And, and these are five things that, that, that we hold to very dearly. And they're new. We're rolling them out as a church. This is kind of the, you know, the last three weeks is the first time we've really been talking about them. And if you're, you're visiting with us, I really hope that that you get a, a feel for our heart and who we are 
Um, you know, sometimes you can go to a church and enjoy what you see, but I think you really need to get a, a hold of the heartbeat of a church to, to know if you want to plant in. And uh, the coffee's pretty good too. Um, number one, we said that we want to cultivate encounter. We are committed to creating space for people to engage the power and the presence of God. I've been thinking about the fact that all the Christian things that I do, reading my Bible, loving my, my neighbor, uh, bearing the fruits of the Spirit, giving of my money, serving in church, all of the things that I do come out of a moment where I got hit by the power of God. Jesus changed my life. I didn't sign up for some religion and then join the volunteer program. I had a moment with Jesus at a conference that changed my life forever. I was at a Rick Joyner conference, believe it or not, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the power and the presence of God hit me so powerfully. Nobody laid hands on me. I just, I just got hit, and I started speaking in tongues. No one laid hands. No one was even talking about tongues. It just happened, and I had a moment where God touched my life and changed me forever. Well, it was after that moment that I went and threw away all my old junky CDs and cleaned out my movies and started cleaning up my mouth and, and started living a life worthy of being a Christ follower. But it all flowed out of a moment where Jesus touched me. I just believe that this world does not need more rhetoric. They need to have an authentic encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is not some fable in a storybook. Jesus is alive and well. And so as a church, we need to create space, whether it's in our youth program, or in our kids program, in our grow groups, on our Sundays, where people actually meet the person of Jesus. Because when you meet the person of Jesus, oh man, He changes everything. This is why the disciples, they meet Jesus on the road, or sorry, he, he meets them at the beach and it says they forsook all to follow him. Yeah. I just think that's what happens when you have an encounter. And, and so we, we believe that people need to encounter God. Once you've had an encounter and you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you want to become a follower. And then we said we want to create Christ-centered disciples. That, that in everything that we do, this church will just keep coming back to Jesus. Keep coming back to Jesus. We keep coming back to Jesus. Yeah. That my whole life, I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm a human as much as anybody, and, and I just need to keep coming back to Jesus. My humanity, my flesh gets the better of me, and I keep coming back to Jesus. But there's something when you've been touched by Jesus, you actually stop and you go, no, I want to follow Him. Yeah. I want His ways to become my ways. I want His truths to become my truths, even if I don't understand them. I want His truths to become my truth. I want His life to become my life. And so we said, all right, we will be committed to, to making Christ-centered disciples. And, and so this is why at Church Unlimited, we, we will preach messages that are Bible-centric, not pop culture-centric. We won't preach Hollywood sermons. We'll preach biblical Bible-based, grounded in the truth and the Word of God, because this is our anchor. And, 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 and this is, this is, the, this is the, the book that we center our lives around. Last week, Joanna James preached a perler of a sermon 
on creating community. That, that the church, we're, we're not an organization. Further, we're not an institution. We are the body of Christ, the family of God. And, and so we, we don't just all show up to spectate at an event. This is why I love the Minute to Mingle. Minute to Mingle used to be a little bit cringy in church. And if you're an introvert, it's probably still a little cringy. But, but the reality is, when you go to family dinner, it's actually less about the dinner and more about the family. And when you come on Sunday, you're going to get a great word. We're going to prepare a great meal. I know. Because it was from me. I'm so modest. Don't blame me. I was born in America. It's the way I am. We're not, we're not just a religious institution. We're the family of God. You are my family. And so we are invested in the lives of each other. The problem with church is church can be messy because church is personal. When I show up at at, at the grocery store, it's not personal. When I show up at, at the football, it's not personal. But when I show up at church, it's personal because we're the family of God. And the problem with being personal is that, well, personal can often mean vulnerable. And vulnerable is dangerous. Uh, we've had a, a, a culture in church for a long time where I like to know everything about you, but I don't want you to know anything about me. That's called gossip. When I know everything about you, but I don't want you to know anything about me. But I don't believe that that's what God's called us to. God's called us to, to love one another and to stand with one another and support one another. And, and, and so we need to create a, a, a community uh, that, that is a family community and not just a show up and attend community. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about championing leaders. We'll come to that in just a moment. Next week, I'm going to be talking about the commission. That, that number, number four was championing leaders. Number five is commission. If I'm a committed Christ follower, then I need to be committed to doing what Jesus came to do, which was to seek and save the lost. And so as I said before, we're not interested in having cafes as a side business. Our cafe is hopefully a means to draw people in. Light night is is not just because we had nothing better to do. Hopefully, it's a means to help people meet Jesus. Tim Greenwood is going to be preaching the gospel message next Saturday night to hopefully four or 500 children. And, and we're believing that, that, that some seeds of truth are going to get deposited in their, night, in their lives on the night. We're committed to, to the great commission, which is to go into all the world and see people come to know Jesus. But I'm not going out to try to convince you in fact, Jesus says, let our love be evident before all that they would know you're my disciples. And so what, what we do is we want to try to create space for people to encounter Jesus, not through my, my, my judgy Facebook comments and my right position. I think so many people have, have sought to be right, but the spirit in which they're right is actually quite wrong. And... And if you, if you say the right thing in the wrong spirit, you actually push people away from God. You don't help people to connect to God. And so that's really, we'll, we'll unpack that more. But I want to talk today about championing leaders, which seems like it's a weird mandate. You're like, oh, church, leadership? Like, come on. 
Aren't we supposed to just love the Lord and study His Word and worship and pray and help people? And, you know, aren't, aren't we supposed to just do that kind of stuff? And, and I think this, the church must be committed to doing everything that we see Jesus doing in the Bible. Jesus is the head, we are the body. The head and the body are not separate. You don't see the head doing something over here and the body doing something over there. They go together. So whatever we see the head doing, Christ, the body must also be doing and committed to the same things. Of course, Jesus tells us that the ultimate mission is to seek and save the lost. Of course, he says, my house will be a house of prayer. Of course, Jesus says that if we don't praise, even the rocks will cry out. Of course, he says, don't forsake the gathering or the assembling together. A little less obvious was Jesus' commitment to raising kingdom leaders. And I think this is something that we need to understand, that Jesus was actually interested in raising men and women, championing them, calling out anointing and gifting and calling in their lives so that they would go forth and be his hands and his feet in the world. Jesus did not need 33 years to bring salvation to the earth. In fact, if King Herod would have killed Jesus as a baby, the blood of Jesus was still the blood of Jesus. If the mission was simply the death and resurrection of baby Jesus, well, that could have happened under King Herod. Why did it happen 33 years later, not back at his birth? The reason is because Jesus needed to build some credibility around his ministry so that other people would believe. People were expecting and anticipating the Messiah, but Jesus needed to live his life in a way that brought credibility. And so Jesus went on a training journey for 30 years, and then his ministry was only three years long. He could have fulfilled the ministry of salvation by simply even dying as a baby, but he chose not to because he needed those around him to actually get what he was doing. Further, Jesus didn't need three years to bring salvation. He needed three years because he needed to develop those that were going to carry on the ministry after he departed. Jesus was all about championing leaders, developing men and women who would testify to the fact that he was the Messiah and carry out his mission once he ascends into heaven. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus works miracles. He heals the sick. He taught the kingdom. He brought salvation. He invested into his disciples. He gathered up his original three. Those three turned into 12. Those 12 turned into 72. Those 72 turned into 500 or thereabouts, as according to Corinthians. The book of Acts, on the other hand, tells us that the disciples shifted into apostles. That in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were disciples, they were followers, they were feed me Jesus. But in the book of Acts, we don't see them feed me Jesus. They say, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were followers who were trying to get but in the book of Acts, they became leaders who were about giving. That is the shift that needs to take place in the church. 
So many people come to the church waiting to receive. Fill me up. Teach me. Let it be a good message. I didn't get my needs met. And we become like the whingy disciples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were whingy. But notice the attitude shift that happens when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They go forth to be leaders in the kingdom of God, helping other people, taking the mission out to those around them. Something shifted where they went from being passive to being proactive. Jesus made a clear point of championing leaders. That was his mandate. Because he knew that if the, if the message of salvation were to carry on, we've got to raise up more voices. We've got to raise up more men and more women who can do that in the world around us. This is why game day can't just be a come and receive moment. We receive so that we can go and give. And so my job as a senior pastor of our church is actually to empower and to raise and to champion Leaders, the church must be committed to championing leaders. By the way, if you have a pulse and you love Jesus, you're actually called to be a leader in your world. A leader? Get real. I'm a behind the scenes person, mate. Have I got a sermon for you? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 gives me my job description. So if you need to understand what is the job what is the job of James Hensley it tells me right here. It says and he God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. What does the senior pastor do? The senior pastor equips the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. My job is to equip, champion, mobilize, empower the same way that Jesus did so that we, the body of Christ, can go out into our world and be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And we have to understand that equipping, training, mobilizing, this is why we're not a status quo church. This is why we're not a just come and spectate church. This is why you will be challenged in this church. Because I'm committed to seeing you become all that God has called you to be. Because God wants to raise you up as kingdom leaders, not kingdom spectators. Some of you are like, James, you're way over my head right now. I'm just trying to be a disciple. And I realize that we're all on varying journeys with our, our walk with the Lord. Uh, by the way, you never stop being a follower. Being a follower is, is critical to being a leader. The moment you stop following Jesus, you have nothing to lead. So I will be a follower all the days of my life. But we cannot impact our world if we have really great fire meetings in here. And then we go out there and we just get on with it. We live our, our daily lives. No, I need to get on fire in here so that I can go out and shine bright in my world. I've been in church a long, long time. And in all the churches that I've been in, it, it had seemed a little bit like our 
ministry was to serve and fulfill the vision of the senior pastor. In the churches that I've been in, they've been quite senior pastor-centric. And I, I, I believe it comes from a good heart. I really do. I, I, you know, I'm not... But the reality is, I, that's not how I want to lead Church Unlimited. My job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to get hundreds and hundreds of little minions that will go out and do my bidding. My job, actually, the way I read that in Ephesians 4, is to equip you and empower you for your God-given ministry. And, and so the vision of this church in championing leaders is not to have more people doing more things that I want them to do. But the vision of this church is to see you go out and do the thing that God has put in your heart to do. And so there's a lot of people in our church that volunteer and help out. Henry and Rachel Murning help us every week with the vacuuming and the chairs. And, and the thing that I, I know about Henry and Rachel is, okay, it's great that you guys are helping out in here. And we all have jobs to do on Sundays. Some people make the coffees and some people help the kids and some people play in the band and some people vacuum the floors. But your call from God is greater than vacuuming the floors and playing the drums and making the coffees. That, that, that's just some of the stuff that we do to help out here on Sunday because oh, many hands makes light work. But your God call, your God-given vision that comes from, the, from Father above to go out and influence your world, we, we've got to help you identify that and champion that, call that out, encourage that, release that, so that you would go, because you are going to impact your workplace. I don't work at your workplace. I'm not involved with your sports team. I'm not living next door to your neighbors. You have a God call to go forth, and my job is to champion leaders here in our church. And so I want to talk just for a minute about how Jesus championed leaders, and this will give you some insight into how I think, and to why I do and say what I do and say. The first thing that Jesus did in championing leaders was, number one, he had to shift mindsets. He had to shift mindsets. The disciples were hardheads. There are moments where I said, Lord, I understand your pain. Jesus' hardest task was not the cross. It was dealing with the stubborn mindsets of his followers. Like, do you remember the story where they wanted to call down fire on a town? Jesus like, come on, guys, you're not getting it. They, were, they, just, they didn't understand. Here's some mindsets Jesus had to shift. He had to shift um, from kingdom of self to kingdom of God. Well, man, if that's not a real issue in the church today... It's not about you. Somebody once said to me that the call of God on your life has absolutely nothing to do with you and everything to do with those that God's going to minister to through you. But we're all like, what's my call? You know, where's, when's my time? Where's my moment? You know, my ministry. The pastor's not recognizing my ministry. We've got to shift from the kingdom of self to the kingdom of God. There's got to be a shift. They had to shift from, from the kingdom of earth to the kingdom of heaven. There, there had to be a shift. 
You know that, 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 that of the 12, original 12 disciples, most of them were terrorists. Literal, actual, jihadi type terrorists. They were. They were fanatics who were interested in restoring Jerusalem on earth. This is why Jesus has to keep saying, hey guys, the kingdom of heaven is like, this is why you'll read the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. He's trying to help these guys shift their mindset from an earthly kingdom to a heavenly kingdom. Even Judas and Peter still did not get it. I'm convinced that Judas get, gets a bad rap. I actually don't think Judas is quite the evil betrayer that maybe he was meant or, or made out to be. I just think Judas thought kingdom of earth. And Judas was thinking, man, how are we going to provoke Jesus into actually rising up and, and being the king of Jerusalem again? How is he going to lead Israel? We've known Israel this way for such a long time. We need to get back to that. And I actually think it's quite possible that Judas made a major boneheaded moment. By the way, Jesus knew he was going to do it. Jesus actually says, mate, go and do what you need to do. And I reckon that Judas was thinking kingdom of earth. He wasn't thinking kingdom of heaven. Well, we see it's true with Peter too. Because when they come to get Jesus, what does Peter do? Pulls out his sword and starts hacking heads. But he missed and he got an ear. Peter is thinking warfare in the natural, soldiers, kingdom on earth. That's how Peter's thinking. And Jesus is going, mate, put your sword away. I got to go and die. Kingdom of heaven. Well, how many Christians are so hung up on our own earthly possessions, our own earthly kingdoms. You know the movie The Castle. A man's house is like his castle. We all want our castle. We all want our stuff. We need to shift the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, you're the light of the world. That's a challenge. He says, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. He, we have these mindsets. He's trying to help them to understand Mate, you're not just this little old nothing over here. Stop saying that you're just a behind-the-scenes person. You're the light of the world. He's trying to shift mindsets. This is one of his first sermons. It's in Matthew chapter 5, and he's telling everybody, no, you're not supposed to blend in. You're supposed to stand out and be different. <laughs> you're supposed to live a life of influence. You're supposed to live as a leader. Christianity is supposed to be the key influencer in our world around us. Then he says about loving people. You know, they want to call down fire on this town over here. And Jesus, come on, man. You don't know what spirit you're of. This is what Jesus says. He says, I've come that you might have. He says, by this, all will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He says, let your light shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify the Father. The way you treat people, love your neighbor as you love yourself, is Jesus. And he says, you've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you this, love your enemies and bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. 
I'm like, Jesus, do you realize what you just said? Most people don't understand. I, 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 I wanted to be careful. And, and I think we need to be careful about how we talk about people of a different persuasion. A different persuasion sexually. A different persuasion racially. A different persuasion politically. A different persuasion financially. We are judgy. And Jesus is saying, love the guy who's not like you. In fact, love the guy that persecutes you. I, 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 I'm blown away right now. I, 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 I think that, that the heart of God is hurt at, at how Christians are treating the world. We burn. Man, in, in, the, in the 70s and 80s, we burn the single mom. How could you? Then in the, in the 90s and the 2000s, we're burning, we're burning homosexuals. How, pff, pff. You're going to win someone with that kind of attitude? Do you know that there are homosexuals that love Jesus and are going to go to heaven? Do you know that people with the vaccine <laughs> are going to go to heaven? I'm one of them. I got my vaccine last Sunday. Hold up. The th the, the, we, we've made the side issues. We've missed Christ and salvation and forgiveness of sin. We've got the guy heavily addicted to pornography pointing the guy finger at the guy who might be interested in another guy. We might be totally anti, you know, black and white racism, but we've got all kind of other funny racism. If you've ever used the word septic tank in your vernacular towards an American, <laughs> yank septic tank, you've never heard that? The old Cockney language? Oh, man, I get it all the time. It must be a North Queensland thing. It's, it's the old English Cockney language. It is. Anyway, the point is, how do we feel about Muslims? Do you get cringy when you stand next to somebody who's wearing a full headdress? How do you feel when you stand next to the big bikey that has tattoos all over him? We, we get so funny, but Jesus is trying to shift our mindsets. They're not your enemy, mate. They're your brother. You just don't know him yet. He had to shift understanding of greatness. Jesus says in Matthew 20, he says, but he called them to himself and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over. And those who exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so amongst you. Whoever decide, desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus is trying to teach these guys what true greatness is. 
I think we need to get an understanding of what true greatness is. It's about loving other people. He had to shift mindsets. And so all of my sermons are pointed at helping you shift your mindsets. We're all hard-hearted. We're all hard-headed. We all have our preconceived dispositions on matters. We need to shift towards the things of Jesus. And as we start to live out Christ, guess what? We're going to stand out. When everybody else is telling the rude jokes around the lunch table and you're not, you're going to stand out. When everybody else is getting on the booze at the party and you're, you're exercising self-control, you're going to stand out. When everybody else's marriage is falling apart and your marriage is still strong and going good, you're going to stand out. We've got to shift our mindsets to understand that we are leaders and influencers in our world. Your life is a life of influence. You're the light of the world. Number two, Jesus was not just about shifting mindsets. He was about legit training and development. He had to train and equip. There's this great passage in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus is trying to set them up. For a little while now, they've been watching how Jesus does things, but this is where he sends them out. And so it says in Luke chapter 10, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them out two by two before his face into every city where he was and was about to go. And then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into the harvest. Can I just tell you right now, the church is full, but the, labor, the, the laborers are few. The church is full. We got probably five, six hundred people now that go to our church. But how many laborers do we have that are committed to kingdom harvest? This is what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about that there's not enough Christians. He's talking about that there's not enough Christians who actually take upon themselves the mandate and the yoke of leadership to go and help bring in the harvest. He says... Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst the wolves. Carry neither money bag nor knapsack nor sandals. He's sending them out. And, and, he, and he's getting them to preach the gospel and bring life. And, 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 and you know, if we, if we scroll down to, to verse um, 17, it says, and then the 70 returned. This was their first missions trip. They return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They're having opportunity. They're getting trained in how to cast out demons, how to preach, how to work miracles. Jesus didn't just give them good Bible theory. He helped activate them and get them doing things. It's important that we know how to operate in a situation. Do we know how to give our testimony? If, if someone asked you, you know, why, why are you a Christian? Would you even know what to say? Why, why is your life blessed? Why do you have a good marriage? I don't know. Just been fortunate. We don't know what to say. When someone asks you, what are you doing this weekend? Most of us say, watching the Broncos, playing golf, washing my car, mowing my yard. We don't say, church. We don't, that's not the first... So we, we, we actually go into the world untrained, unequipped. 
There is no shortage of, of opportunity in this life, but there is a shortage of people who've taken the time to prepare themselves and develop themselves for their God-given opportunities. This is why I love Kate Malia. Kate Malia, she, sure, she's a leader in our church, but she's done our Bible college. She's done Unlimited Leadership Academy. She's done two years of it. And she has been promoted and promoted and promoted as a nurse in her workplace. And now she oversees large numbers of team members. She's a leader in her workplace. She's actually grown in her God-given anointing and leadership mandate. So that she's not, not just for church. That I, I'm really grateful, Kate. I know you're in the parents' room. For what you do in our church. But we've got we've to lead outside of this place. If you have had your life changed by Jesus and you really apprehend the Word of God and apply it to your life, you should stand out in your workplace. This is why ULA, we, 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 don't, we do Unlimited Leadership Academy because we're trying to help equip and mobilize and train and empower you. Not because we're trying to get something from you. It's not like, oh yeah, where's, where's our sign-ups? You know, we, 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 every Monday we're training and equipping people, not, not so that they can stack really good chairs or sing good. It's so that we can make a difference for Jesus in our world around us. In just a moment, we're going to baptize Josh Wilson. And, um, and, and Josh Wilson is, if you, if you haven't picked up on it, he's probably one of our favorites. I feel a little jealous of Josh Wilson because I thought I was the favorite. But Josh is pretty dang good. And, um, and, but Josh has done Unlimited Leadership Academy this year. And man, the, the kid's coming alive. God's using him in a mighty way. It's powerful. And, and this is why we do it. It's not because, oh yeah, we just need to have more Bible study. It's not a Bible college. It's not a Bible study course. It's about equipping leaders. Well, some people say, well, I'm not a leader. Can I say this? If you live with a mandate, I'm not a leader... You're basically saying, I'm not going to play my part in the mission. No, I'm going to spectate and watch everybody else do instead of actually rolling up my sleeves and getting in the game and, 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 and doing what God has called me to do in our church. This is why we do grow groups. Not everybody can do ULA. Okay, by the way, we've got a ULA open day on Monday the 14th, uh, 15th of, of November. Monday, the 15th of November, that day is open. If you've ever thought about studying, if you've ever thought about doing Bible college, if you've ever thought about, gee, what's that on? What are they on about with that, that, that Unlimited Leadership Academy? You can come on that Monday, the 15th of November, and you can get a, a whole day of what it's like. And, you can, and, and, and hopefully you'll go, you know what? I need to do that. I need, I need to give God a year of my Mondays. It's actually only 30 Mondays. 30 Mondays over the course of a whole year. And I'm telling you, it will equip you. It will empower you. You will grow in the word. You will grow in yourself. You will understand who, how God's wired you. you. You'll become a weapon instead of a blunt object. We, we, we've got way too many blunt objects in Christianity. We need more refined, sharpened people who, who, who are going on that, on that journey. But if you can't make ULA, join a grow group. Some people are like, oh, you know, grow, you know, connect groups were so fun. We just had coffee and cake and it was lovely. And, and, and we still have coffee and cake, but now we also have a time of devotion and discipleship and, and challenge and prayer and communion. Because to be honest with you, coffee and cake is great, 
But, but, but we need to be growing in the things of Jesus. We need training and development. Here's number three, empowerment. In, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. If you're a witness unto Jesus, you're a leader. It's really hard to be a witness unto Jesus behind the scenes. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a scone maker. I'm just a cup of tea person. I'm a vacuumer. No, you're not. That is a lie from the devil that has lowered your opinion of your own self. I find so many people wrestle within their own selves. And because we're scared of ourselves, we hide back and put our own selves in a box. When Jesus wants to empower you with power from on high to go out and to, 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 to be the hands and feet, to work miracles, to cast out demons, to preach the good news. We're, we're called the champion and awaken leaders in the body of Christ. Here's the last one. Number four is commission. And I want to expand on this more next week. But Jesus didn't just train and equip and didn't just leave them running, you know, training programs. Jesus had, had an exit strategy. He ascends into heaven and he's like, all right, guys, it's over to you. Now, one of the questions that I'm going to ask when I get to heaven is, Lord, what were you thinking? <laughs> Lord, you're, you're eternal. You could still be here and it would all be good. You would help straighten out some of the quirks in Christianity if he was still here. But he didn't. He left it up to us. Like the fact that Jesus left the church in my hands. I'm like, Lord, you're a little irresponsible. It's like, what were you thinking, Lord? The Lord's like, no, mate, get over yourself and get on with it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're to go into all the world and we're to preach the gospel to every person. The gospel is not vaccine this or vaccine that. The gospel is not political agenda this or political agenda that. To be honest with you, I am as pro-life as it gets. I hate abortion. I believe that abortion is murder and I am not into abortion at all. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is you're a sinner. That Jesus died for you because He loved you and, and He's not angry with you. He's calling you to forgiveness. He's calling you to know what it means to have all your sin forgiven. Jesus died for the person who had an abortion. Jesus died for the single mom. Jesus died for the homosexual. Jesus died for the white middle-aged guy who looks at pornography. Jesus died for the guy with a sneaky alcohol problem. Jesus died for the person who is a gossip. Jesus, that's the gospel. Go and preach the good news. The good news is forgiveness of sin. That it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what kind of things you've gotten into in your old life. Jesus loves you and He died for you. And, and that's, that's commission. And He sent them filled with His Holy Spirit and power to bring the good news. 
even to the people that smell and look like enemies. You know, Jesus, there's a story where Jesus is talking with a woman at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. And it specifically says, because Jews are racist. For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. It's, it's, it's in your Bible. Jews were here. Samaritan dogs were down here. Jesus just goes and sits with this woman at the well. He gets talking with her. Finds out she's had five husbands. That's colorful. Finds out that the guy she's with now is not even her husband. So she's with a sixth dude. She's the Liz Taylor of the Old Testament. Her life was a mess. You don't think she was broken? She felt so comfortable around him. She felt she wasn't scared. She wasn't threatened. She wasn't on the defensive. She wasn't waiting for the religious finger pointing. Because Jesus was life. Friends, we've got to get serious about, about being leaders in our world. Not just having good services and good community. I love, man, when I was at Fight Club on Tuesday night, like I was, that was fun. I was, I was, I was in my element. We were eating meat. I was hanging out with the bros that was burping and scratching and all kinds of guys was getting into it. It was, it was, oh, it was the best. I love that stuff. But that's not my mission. That's just community that I get with my brothers. But then we inspire each other. And I'm talking to Tawanda and he's telling me about what God's doing in his work and, you know, in his life. And, and guys are sharing stories and we're inspiring each other to go and be leaders in our world. Leaders in our families. Leaders with our children. Leaders. Stop hiding. I think too many people have a Gideon mindset. There's a story. In the, in, in the book of Judges, talks about this guy named Gideon and the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon and says, Gideon, what are you doing hiding in the barn? And Gideon goes, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm the least. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a nobody. I'm just the smallest in my father's household. I'm just, I'm just. And God says to him, no, mate, you mighty man of valor. This guy's hiding in the barn like a coward. And God says, you're a, a, a mighty man of valor. Amen. Too many Christians live, oh, I'm the least of these. Oh, I stuffed up yesterday. I made mistakes. You know what? I stuffed up yesterday too. And the day before that, and the day before that, and the day before that. But the grace of God keeps lifting me up. Keeps lifting me up. I don't stand here qualified by my own good works. I stand here qualified by the grace of God that God wants to use me in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my insecurities, in spite of my shortcomings. He wants to use you in spite of all the things that you think disqualify you. God says that the hand of Jesus on your life is what qualifies you. Stand to your feet. Just, just put your hands out for a second. Lord, for some of us, the idea of being a leader, the idea of shining our light before men, that's really daunting. God, we're so, 
We get so consumed with self. We get so consumed with our insecurities. We get so consumed with all the things that hold us back. We get so consumed with our limitations. We get hung up on our own personality types, God, that we abdicate our responsibility to stand up in the world. But God, I know that you're raising a church. You're raising a bold church. You're raising a church filled with your Holy Ghost. You're raising a church that's full of the mission and the heartbeat. You're raising a church that's hearts are soft towards people. Help us, God. Help us to get over ourselves. Help us to get over our, 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 our stubborn mindsets. The world is desperate for a church that will love them. You know that encountering Jesus can look like encountering you. You might be the first touch of Jesus someone ever gets. We think, oh, we got to get them to the meeting so that if they're just in the, in the meeting, if they're in the worship, then they'll get an encounter. No, the first encounter might be just at the lunchroom as you're, as you're loving on them. God, I pray right now that you would shift our mindsets. God, that there is an anointing, there's a calling. We activate right now your holy call that we would stand, God, as, as, as witnesses, that we would be ambassadors for Christ no longer living for ourselves and our own selfish pursuits, but God, we would live for your kingdom, your kingdom mandate. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.